Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul, deep, emotional, and spiritual freedom. And we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. Jennifer Slattery, and I know many of you are going through challenging and painful times. And in this difficult season, you might be struggling with increased anxiety and fear. You might even feel alone, unseen, and you might feel like you're abandoned by God. Well, if that's true, I hope my discussion with Bible teacher Kelly Minter, I hope it encourages you and gives you some truth nuggets that you can really hold tight to. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, Jennifer, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Kelly Mentor, she's an author, a Bible teacher, and a podcaster. Her most recent Bible study from Lifeway Publishers is called Encountering God, Cultivating Habits of Faith Through the Spiritual Disciplines. She speaks around the country, and she also works closely with Justice and Mercy International in the Amazon jungles of Brazil, as well as the Eastern European country of Moldova. Now, I just actually read one of your books where you shared some bits about your time in Brazil. So that was interesting. Yes, yes, love it. The Amazon, it's a place all its own. So Kelly is deeply passionate about teaching the Bible, and she believes it permeates all of life. And when she's not writing, traveling, or speaking, she enjoys time in her garden, cooking, and being with her friends and family. She's a Southern transplant. She delights in long walks, her local church, meaningful conversations, and coffee in her Justice and Mercy International Diner Mug. Do you have that on hand? I would love to see it. I, I have a diner mug okay. on hand. I don't have that one. I've got I've got plenty in my pantry here, though. The, I just like these really heavy, yes. meaty. So, but we do, yes, we have our justice and mercy. Nice uh, mugs. That's just not the one I happen to pull out today. Yes, awesome, awesome. Well, you can connect with her on her website, kellyminter.com, which of course we'll have in the show notes. Well, Kelly, so I've I've read numerous of your studies actually, and but in the opening of Finding God Faithful, you shared a story from one of your college friends who is talking about her dysfunctional family. And so she said, and I'm going to quote, the buck stops here, meaning for those who haven't read, obviously, the context that the pattern of dysfunction stopped with her. So I would really love for you to share what you most wanted to convey from that story. Yes. Well, so it's been a few years since I've written Finding God Faithful. And I remember that story and I remember the whole event, how it fits into Joseph's story. I I'm going to have to pull from the top of my head. So if you've just recently been in there, I might not make the exact connection, but I'm imagining that Joseph, you know, he comes from this long line of some dysfunction and even his own father is had had been a deceiver, his father, Jacob, and just a lot of infighting and jealousy between Jacob's two wives, Rachel and Leah, which, you know, when you have two wives, I imagine that's going to just set the foundation for some some issues, right? So we see, though, that God, 
he does something special in Joseph's life and Joseph is changed. He is not like the rest of his family. And so it reminded me of, yes, this friend who had come from a long line of dysfunction. And she just said, I want the Lord to have my life. I want to move forward in a different way. I don't feel like I have to be. I don't feel like I have to take on the patterns of my family of origin and, and I, I want to live new. And so that's where I think I was headed with that, with that passage. That That is so actually encouraging, like just that decision. Okay, this is where I came from, but that is not me anymore. I am new in Christ. I love that. Why is it so important when we look at biblical characters that we consider kind of the generational dysfunction that they came from? So like Joseph, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we don't want to unduly dwell on the past. I think that I think that can be a problem, right? Well, I think our culture right now is we love to focus on what we didn't get, what we didn't have, what was so wrong, who's to blame, who's at fault, you know, what we should have been given that we weren't. And it's interesting when I go to other cultures, that is not necessarily the way that they look at pain or suffering. Wow. Uh, and it, and so that's been helpful for me. Part of this preoccupation with everything that's wrong is is Western culture. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's this push on it. That said, I think there is merit to recognizing where there has been brokenness, where where maybe we didn't get what we needed or how those patterns are flowing into our lives and how maybe we are repeating the same patterns of brokenness in our relationships. So it is important, I think, for us to look at it, but not for the sake of dwelling on it for years and years for there to be bitterness or, you know, the, the, that root of just kind of death that just spreads over our lives. I think that's what I see sometimes. And that feels very problematic to me. But when we can look at some of these things and say, okay, Lord, you know, if for those who are believers in Jesus, which I am, to say, Jesus, I want the newness that you bring, and I want to be able to extend forgiveness, and I don't want to repeat these patterns, and I want to not be a selfish person. I want to be someone who is about other people. And so I think we have to be careful when we look at these things, but I think that in light of Christ and in what he can do, I think it's really important for us to be able to see some, to recognize some of those patterns and decide, hey, these are the things that I want to, I don't want to live like this. You know, whether it's a slave to fear or pride or hardness, whatever it might be. I love how you focus. So how you differentiate between focusing on death and kind of moving towards like this obsession with death and dysfunction mm-hmm. or focusing on hope and health and life and personal ownership. That's what I heard. And what you were saying is like, Uh what in me is broken and not living as you call. I love that, Kelly. When you discuss the jealousy that Joseph's brothers experience, you really emphasize kind of speaking of life, not focusing on death, focusing on life. You emphasize finding security in Christ. And so I have two questions in regard to that. Why is that so important? So like when we're looking at our, whether it's our, what the brokenness we came from or whether it's just, you know, kind of just living in our broken world. Why is that important? And then what can that look like as we're we're healing or maybe we're in the middle of conflict? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think practically speaking, you know, we, we do kind of throw that term around, like finding our identity in Christ or finding who we are. And people are like, well, what does that mean? But I think why it's so important when we're walking through these hard times is that, you know, we come into this world and we want our families, we want our friendships, our teachers, uh, later on in life, 
you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse to be a secure, safe place. But we know that in this world, that's just, it's not how it works. You, you might get a couple of those, but you're not going to get all of them across the board all the time, right? We get to a certain point and we see that people have failed us. They have betrayed us. They have left us, or maybe they really love us, but the, what they can give us is just limited and it's just not enough or it's not what we need. And so that's where that identity in Christ and going back to the love of the Lord, that is the love that the Lord has for us is it's all encompassing and it's inexhaustive. You know, the Paul says it's high, it's deep, it's wide, it's beyond anything we can know or imagine. When we get to know him, we understand that he's sovereign, that even Please don't ask me to make sense of this mystery, but even the hard things that we go through, that God is not detached from them, that he is present with us in them. I think when we begin to understand his attributes, who he is and and who he is to us, that becomes the firm foundation that we begin to build our lives on. And then we can receive the goodness from others and we can enjoy it. And it can be a blessing. But when we don't get what we need from others, it's not devastating for us because that's not where our ultimate identity is. It is in the love of Christ and it is who he has called us to be and who who he says we are and in our in our very practical relationship with him. So, yeah, I think that's how I would describe that. So I'm listening to you and kind of in, in light of what you've already said. It seems to me then if we're struggling, feeling like trying to get from someone else and, and living in that place of depletedness or insecurity, that's really kind of an indication, okay, I need to go deeper. Yeah. Jeez. Yes, I think so. And and obviously there are times in our lives, you know, I don't know what everyone, we don't know what everyone's walking through right now. So there are times in our lives where obviously, yes, we need help. We need outside help. We need friends. We need our church. We need a doctor, you know, wh- whatever it might be. But I, but yes, I think, I think that is the, I think that is the message. And I, I, I think about just yesterday, I was giving a message on, um, out of Luke 10, where Mary and Martha, where Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house and Martha is running around and she's trying to get everything done. And she's got great intentions. She's working hard. She wants to serve Jesus and the people that are in her house. And she gets mad because Mary, the, her sister, the one closest to her isn't helping. She's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's like, Lord, don't you care? My sister, I'm, I'm left to do this by myself. Basically, she's not giving me what I need to execute my plan, to execute my agenda, tell her to help me. And Jesus is like, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many different things, but there's one important thing. And that's to be with me, to sit at my feet. And that's what Mary's chosen. And it will never be taken from her. So I, just that idea hit home for me too in a season that I'm in right now where there are some very real things that I need right now. And right now I don't have it. I do not have it. I don't have it. I, I, I just, I don't have it. I'll just say that I don't have it. And I can't get it from the people closest to me. They can't fill this, this spot that I need. And so it's that moment where I'm preaching to myself saying, okay, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't really know how I'm going to do what you've called me to do without this, but I am going to come sit and I'm going to listen and I'm going to receive. So now, Jennifer, I just don't even remember the question you asked, but I loved it. I don't know if it had any connection. I just totally yeah. realized that I don't even know where we started. Actually, you did because we were talking about just when we feel those those holes of saying of, of turning to Christ. And I love how you, you said you preach to yourself. And, and I loved in what you just said, too. It sounds like I mean, you don't love it, but you're 
accepting of the present discomfort going to him in the midst of it, even if he hasn't solved it right in this minute. Yes, exactly. Yes, totally. That is a great way of summing it up. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, okay, and hopefully not in a resignation, but just in a, okay, I'm expected for what you're going to do here. I don't know how it's going to work. I feel these empty places, but I recognize that you haven't left me and that you're here with me and that you, you're walking me through something. So I'm going to lean into it. That's beautiful. Well, you wrote, and I'm going to quote you, the beauty of Joseph's story is that in the middle of favoritism, jealousy, and anger, God is working out his purposes. So why is it so, so like, you know, just what you're talking about, like you're going to lean into him. You don't know what's going on. Why is it so important to remember, like you said, God's sovereignty and that he's working out his purposes in the middle of our hard times? Well, it's because it changes everything. So if we believe that God is if we if we act at well if if we believe that God is not sovereign in in other words he's not in control he doesn't That'd be terrifying see, <laughs> right right he doesn't see the end from the beginning he doesn't know what we need like in Matthew chapter six yes when he's talking about prayer he said Jesus Sermon on the Mount he says your father knows what you need even before you come and ask like what what if what if he didn't know what we needed what if we had to inform him of what we needed and half the time we don't know what we need. I mean, that's the other thing that's been so interesting is right now there are some, I know I need something, but I don't even really know what, what, how that, you know. So anyway, so, so if we, if we don't believe that he is good, sovereign, in control, knowing the beginning from the any, from the end, knowing what we need, if we don't believe he's all powerful, if we don't believe he's with us or present or for us, then we are going to live out of that. And we're going to live out of that knowledge and that or that idea or that belief. And then we are going to be frantic and selfish and self-centered and controlling and manipulative because we're going to need people to do what we need them to do to get done what we believe needs to be done. But if we go to scriptures and we really do see his hand, even his hand on people, even when they couldn't understand it and they didn't understand what they were going through. When we look at how he has walked people through suffering, when we see, we understand who he is, then all of a sudden we can rest in that. And and it changes, our beliefs change how we act because we're going to act out of what we truly believe. So that's another piece that I think is so important is continually going back to God's word. Because if we don't, then we're going to, we're going to act out of our own belief system and then that to me is when things really start to fall apart. Yeah. We, we, we need to, a friend of mine just recently just had to, to put her mother in assisted living for dementia. And, and it, it's just a, it's just hard. It's just a hard season. And, but as we pray, we're praying out of the belief that God is present, that he is working out good, even in this really hard situation, that he has not left. Um, her or her mother, you know, that he's going to be pro- providing, that he's present with her. So all of these things that it doesn't feel that way always, but we really do believe that this is true. And so that's, it, it, we have to fight for it, right? A lot of times and, and choose it. But I yeah. think that's why it's so important. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm just going to point to your latest release for those who are really wanting to build that reservoir, that understanding of who God is, your encountering God, cultivating habits of faith through the spiritual disciplines. I think that's a really, really important way that they can kind of build some of those belief systems into their soul. So they're ready when, yeah. when hardships that come. Yeah. And how would you describe? So how, how could we? So we're all going to suffer like we know that like this is not heaven. So how can we what would it look like to view our suffering from a biblical perspective? Well, yeah. Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) Well, first of all, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, that's one form of suffering. That's not that doesn't encompass all the suffering persecution. But he talks about that there's a blessedness there. I believe that in our suffering, there is there are treasures to be had there that we cannot get anywhere else. We also see Paul talk about, you know, he says that we are going to, we uh, celebrate or enjoy the power of Christ's resurrection, but also, and we don't, we stop there, but he says, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. So we know that there is a fellowship with Christ that's unique to our sufferings. There's that fellowship with him. We also know that suffering drives us to the Lord. It gets us to the end of ourselves. We realize that we are not enough and that even trying to make ourselves the one big chief joy in life is, is so impossible. It's such a dead end. And so suffering can also drive us to him. It's, it's a purifier. You know, we walk through, I think it's in Isaiah where he talks about walking through the fire and walking through the high waters, but the waters will not overtake you. The fire will not ultimately burn you for I am with you. And and so we can see how that would also be a cleansing and a refining period. So I think suffering is, it is there in scripture. I mean, I just read a Psalm this morning about like, how long, O Lord? And I cry out to you. And, you know, it's, it's that, I, that's one of the reasons why I love scripture is that it's just so honest about life. It is not a genie in a bottle where if you figure it out, all of that goes goes away. So I think that we see it, yeah, all throughout, all throughout Old Testament and New Testament, we see it. Yeah, when I love your emphasis, you, you I've heard numerous times you're emphasizing on God's presence with us through our challenging mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. I know that was a, that was a really big piece <laughs> in your study on Joseph. Yeah, it's so it's so prominent. Yeah, yeah. So what did that look like for you? Like for those who people who are just they're like, I don't even know how. You talk about leaning into God during suffering. So how, can, it, can you break that down a little? Like, what would that look like in the middle of a really hard circumstance to yeah. experience God's presence in the middle of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for starters, I mean, one thing that I think is really helpful is just when we're in Scripture. So, you know, it might be you're brand new. You, you, you don't even, if you opened up the Bible, you wouldn't even know where to go, you know? And so that that's where I think, if we're really going to back up, I think the local church is so helpful. Like if there is a church that that you can be part of that you know is a is a joyful Bible believing place that is welcoming, and you know I, every church I go visit, it's like they have so many different Bible studies, and so just finding a place to start and to at, be where you can ask questions and to know that everybody started someplace, and that there's a vast vast number of people that are in those studies that have also never cracked open the books of the Bible that, you know, you're there. So to feel comfortable, but, but when, for me, when I'm in the word, when I'm reading in God's word, there are things that I, there are truths that speak to me. 
that speak to my circumstances, that speak to my heart. Like I just shared about Mary and Martha. That spoke to my heart. The Lord showed me, Kelly, you are looking to the closest people around you to come help you. But I'm actually asking you to stop right now and to come sit and wow. see, you know, so that was a that was a moment for me to go, OK, I, I hear that, Lord. I receive that. So I think that's one way that God speaks to us in hard times. The other reason why I'm so big on the local church and being part of a local church is he speaks through his body, the body of believers. We need that. We need people coming up to us and saying, you know, hey, the Lord has you. The Lord is with you. The Lord has not forgotten you. You know, I see these wonderful things in your life. And yes, you're going through this hardship, but here is a truth. So we need God's word. We need his people. And I think, I think that God speaks through both of those. And then prayer too. You may not be able to even, you know, you may just be so new to the faith or still figuring it out, but just praying and, and praying to Jesus as the son of God and saying, look, I, I believe that you hear me and, and you see me and you know I'm going through this. Help me. And I believe that he responds to those those prayers. So prayer, his people, the word, those would be some of the big things that I think when we lean into God and in, in ways that he speaks back to us. Yeah. When I just would just add to this to so those who like, I don't even know if I believe in God. So I'm mentoring a young person right now. And I, I basically told him, doesn't matter if you believe in him or not, you can still pray to him. <laughs> Ask for his guidance. <laughs> so I would encourage you, you know what, just just. Just reach out and he can still guide you in yep. wherever season you're, you're in. So when you were discussing Joseph's time in an Egyptian dungeon, which would have been nothing like today's prisons, right? Like it would have been pretty, pretty, pretty dark, damp and dang. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, quote, God never tables his call on your life. And I felt like that's a powerful statement, especially for maybe somebody who's going through a season of grief or maybe who's lost a job or in, in a big transition. So I would love for you to explain God never cables his call on your life. What what do you mean when you say that? Well, I just mean that God had not like, so there was a call on Joseph's life. We go back into the earlier part of Genesis uh, where where God gives Joseph these dreams that and, and says, basically, this is you're going to be in a position where people are going to bow down to you. Now, I don't think I don't think the idea was that I don't think the point of that dream was so that Joseph could be puffed up so that people were bowing down. I think what he was showing him was when we look in retrospect, you're going to be in a place of power and people are going to be coming to you in desperation, including your own family members during a famine. Now, we didn't get you know, you don't get that earlier in the dream. But looking back, and people are going to be coming, bowing down, pleading for your help, you know, not not to worship you, but for, for your help and you will be of service. So there was that call on Joseph's life that God, that God was going to take him out of the promised land, put him in Egypt. His family members were going to follow him down there. And, and the Israel, well, the, the Hebrew family at that time was going to turn into the Israelites by the time they leave Egypt and go back to the promised land. They will be a nation. So when Joseph's in this prison and it seems that all is lost, and I can't imagine, I don't know how he hung on to his faith. I really, I mean, I can't, can't fathom the loneliness there and just the feeling so forsaken. But we see again in that passage that God was with Joseph, even in the dungeon, even in that prison. And what I mean that God had not tabled his cause, he hadn't. In fact, Joseph would have to pass through that dungeon for to interpret a dream for someone who would then get out of the dungeon, go back to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh two years later that there was someone, a Hebrew slave that interpreted his dream. Pharaoh pulls him out to interpret his own dream. And I know if you 
If you don't know the story, you're like, what is she talking about? But you can go read about it in Genesis. But the point being is God had not. There, there, it wasn't like the Lord was like, oh, well, Joseph's in prison. So the calling on his life is done. I'm just gonna have to table that. No, God was working even in that hardship, even in that struggle and would actually use that to be the catalyst to get him to that place where everybody would be coming on their hands and knees saying, we need grain and praise God, Joseph would deliver it. He would be in a position to deliver it. So how does that relate to our stories then when we're kind of in in Joseph-like circumstances? Yeah. Well, I, again, I, I think that it it it's just, again, God's faithfulness. He, We know in the New Testament, we get to the New Testament, we know that God has called us to be his disciples, to be the disciples of Christ, to be to be loving to others, serving others, telling people about who he is, loving our families, loving our friends, uh, you know, serving in our jobs, wh- whatever it might be. We know that those are, that's general calling. There might be some specific things that he has asked each of us to do. And even in the hard times, even in those times where we don't, don't understand, it doesn't mean that those things, that those callings have stopped being true. Yeah. And so that reminds me, you, you discussed uh, this to me, they, they relate. So you talk about how God quote unquote tests us. And you wrote in, in your study, God often uses suffering to make us fit for the dreams he has for us. And is that kind of what you're, you're talking about when you talk about like Joseph's life and, and him not tabling our dreams? Yes, absolutely. I think God prepares us through our suffering. And I think sometimes we're going through these difficult seasons is what actually makes us, you know, fit, ready for what he has for us in the future. And, and I think it's in, it's, um, somewhere in the Psalms where the psalmist talks about Joseph and says, you know, you, you purified him through that dungeon experience. You were getting him, you were doing something in him that was going to be so important for the future. Because think about if Joseph had come into power in Egypt under Pharaoh as a proud, arrogant, bitter man, and who was mad at what his dad didn't do, what his brothers didn't do, who was mad at them for what they did do and was just embittered and was going to come into power and then just show everybody how they basically just make everybody pay. Can you imagine? Wow. But instead, God humbles him. He purifies him. He takes him through this space so he knows that he's a pure vessel. And then by the time he gets to the power, even his brothers who were abusive, I mean, abusive. Joseph has this, this tenderness toward them and their children. And, and basically is like, I, I will, I will help you and not just help you, not just give you grain, but I will set a table for you in the palace. I mean, it's profound, but I don't think Joseph would have been that man had he not gone through that trying experience. Wow. Yeah. And so just remembering again, you pointed to God's faithfulness, right? And his, and his love for us, which reminds me. Of in, so, and I'd, I'd love to end our discussion with this. So near the end of session two, so you encourage readers to reflect on a prayer in Ephesians chapter three, 14 yeah. to 21. And so I'm, I'm basically going to paraphrase it. So it talks about Christ making his home in our hearts as we trust in him, our roots going deep into his love and, and that making us, making us strong. And what, and you referenced earlier his love, right? How, where Paul says how, how deep and how wide and how vast and how, how massive his, his love is. And so what do you love most about that prayer? Especially when we're looking through it from the lens of, of suffering, of hard times, of when we're we're afraid or when we feel abandoned. 
Yeah. Tell me the passage again. The yes. Passage. Yes. So it's Ephesians chapter. I'm yeah. going back. Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 to 21. Okay. I just want to pull it. So yeah. And you're welcome to read it if you choose, actually. Yeah. Okay. Ephesians three, 14 14 to 21. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. 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 So this is, this is Paul praying this for the Ephesians. I love, I do love this. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we see, yeah, I love this, that 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 God's love surpasses our knowledge. And I think that that can mean like our knowledge about him because our ability to comprehend him is finite. But I also think it's sometimes our knowledge of our suffering is so hard, but yet his love surpasses that or our fear is so strong, but his love can transcend and surpass even that knowledge. And then Again, just the greatness of his love. I, I, what I love about praying this is you can put yourself into the prayer and, and there's so many things that you can pray just for your own self, for loved ones by just putting yourself in there. So that's one reason it just seems to encompass a lot of things. So I, I love that. Yeah. About amen. That and I just love that we were able to share that on air. That was so beautiful. And, and hopefully our listeners, if you're really struggling, just go back and just read it and read it and reread it over and over and yeah. replays in your heart. Well, Kelly. Thank you so very much for sharing your insights with us, your wisdom, taking the time to to chat with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I just for those people who might be new to the Christian faith or maybe even seasoned, I'm I'm so excited. I just wrote a 90-day devotional on Jesus teachings and his miracles. So it's like it's on the Sermon on the Mount, his his te- teachings about who he is and how we're to live, but then also it shows his compassion for the broken and the hurting and the poor. Wow. And especially for those people who are new to the Christian faith, it's just one one a day for nice. 90 days. Just a short little read. Nice. Take nice. you three months. So it's called The Blessed Life, a 90-day journey through the miracles nice. or teachings and miracles of Jesus. So Now, where do they find it? You know, it'll be out February 7th okay. and it'll okay. be anywhere. Nice. It'll be anywhere you buy. But I just thought that if that's something that is helpful. Yeah. Especially, you know, for those who are fearful, you know, Jesus talks about, look at the lily of the valley, how he clothes them and the bird of the air, how he feeds them and how much more does your father care? So I think it's just, um, it's a good entry place, I think, maybe for some who are trying to figure out who Jesus yeah. is and who the father is. Yeah. Well, that sounds really exciting because we know that we, we don't fight our fears from like our resolving our situation which can always change. We find courage through, like your title says, finding God faithful in the midst of our challenges. And so to our listeners, I really encourage you to check out Kelly's content. It will really help you to just ground yourself in scripture and come to know the God of scripture and find that he is faithful, even when life feels hard or frightening. So Kelly, thank you again for being here. Thanks, Jennifer. I sure appreciate it. 
Well, to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you haven't done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And be sure to share it on social media. We would be very encouraged if you would rate it as well. This helps others to find it and it encourages our team. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.